Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel, America's number one sports book, is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-up bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIOFD, you'll be all set when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams in all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIOFD. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 or older and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio. one Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. At Lowe's, we're your go-to for great gardening values every day. That's why we've lowered our price on select bagged mulch. Now starting at just $2.88 a bag. Mulch helps prevent weeds and retains moisture. And when you put it down around trees, shrubs, and flower beds, you'll see how beautiful it makes your outdoor space. Just in time to welcome back family and friends. Shop online and pick up in-store. Lowe's, home to the best part of summer. Selection and product availability vary by location. While supplies last, U.S. only. Excludes Alaska and Hawaii.
Some cars are comfy on the inside but don't have power on the outside. And some cars have the horsepower but none of the comfort. I used to think there weren't any cars that were the total package. But that all changed when I got my Honda SUV. It's rugged and sophisticated. And right now, Honda has deals on the entire Honda SUV lineup. CRV, HRV, Pilot, Passport, you name it. So if you're looking for a car that's the total package, the only place you'll find it is at your local Honda dealer. Hurry before they're all gone. Here it is. We get to close out the Ravens 2017 season, which uh, I guess the Ravens made easy on us by also ending before the stroke of midnight. So they kept their entire season on 2017 as well. So here we're going to break down the offense from the Week 17 ugly loss, 31-27 to to the Cincinnati Bengals. Ken McCusick, how are you doing today? Life's good, Josh. How are you doing? I'm I'm doing all right. I've got some girls at home as we record this that ask me every five minutes, are they going to have school tomorrow? Because there's <laughs> snow in the forecast. And you no, know, I don't. I don't even know about that anymore. I do have to dig out, so I know snow is an annoyance, right. but it's not something I watch regularly for. Oh, I got a nice little phone call from Anne County Public Schools saying schools will be delayed two hours tomorrow morning. So they're already jumping on it, which got my girls all excited that, well, if there's two hours, they're probably just going to cancel it. I don't have to do my homework, right? There you go. When, of course, I got to tell them, no, you got to do your homework or you'll be scrambling in the morning to do it when there's no snow because we live in Maryland. Are you normally a taskmaster with your kids? No, not at all. My kids run all over me. I got three girls. They're all princesses. Uh Uh-huh. But tonight I'm making them do their homework because I grew up in Maryland. I know how it goes when they call for snow. It might not show up at all. There you go. Um, I'd love to sit here and talk about snow for an hour because it's way better than talking about this Week 17 <laughs> loss. Oh, boy. But uh, let's, let's, part of, let's wrap up 2017. So then we get to have the fun after this episode of talking about the future. And I know uh, today we'll talk about this game Next week, or the, I think it'll be next week or the week after, the next show, we're going to get Brian McFarlane on here with us to talk about the Ravens cap situation. Because there's lots of guys on the team now who will not be on the team come March. That's true. Very tight cap situation for the Ravens. Brian has an excellent article out there on uh, Russell Street Report if you want to read it up in advance. It's lengthy and very detailed in terms of what are some of the Ravens' uh, cap issues coming into this year? But it's been a gradually progressing worse situation with the cap year after year. The injuries this last year, particularly before the season, uh, created a lot of additional cap borrowing effectively from, from future years, including 2018. So there's a lot of very good information out there about that. And Brian is certainly the guy I look to as the last word in cap issues. Yeah, and like everything, this this podcast is... Uh, the home of this film study is Russell Street Report, so you should go there and check everything out. And this week, the great thing to check out is Brian McFarlane's article. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, let's get into it, and let's talk about this first half. Let's jump right into there, where the offense went onto the field and could not hold on to the ball. That there was drop after drop after drop. Yeah, I, I mean, that's exactly the first half in a nutshell there. It's just... It, First down, second down, and a drop on third down is pretty much it. Wallace dropped a couple balls. We had uh, 
I couldn't even. T I, I don't even want to go through it. But w Wallace caught five of the thirteen balls thrown to him, so you knew he had some of the some of the drops right. involved in this game. Uh, anyway, more had tough the, game. Moore had the juggle and act. Oh, that was in the second half. All right, that was that second was half. It's yeah. still the story of the game is is not being able to secure the ball on the offensive side. Very much so. Um, yes. This season, it seems like all season, this team has been a second half offense. Why do you think they come out so cold? And I, I know it was cold on Sunday, weather-wise, but that offense came out extremely cold. Yeah, I, I can't give you a good reason for that because uh, the, the Bengals put an ass-whooping on the Ravens in the first half with 52 offensive plays. I would have thought if any team would have been able to come out and maintain momentum in that second half, it would have been the Bengals. You know, having, having basically... Right not had to play any defensive snaps to that point, I would have thought they'd have been able to, to, to get the deal closed. But the Ravens, you know, had that great play by Moore to end the first half on the uh, kickoff return, then got the ball in the end zone, Flacco to Moore. He took a big hit in so doing, but uh, but he made a great play to get in the end zone. And the Ravens went in with a little bit of momentum right at the half, getting back within a touchdown at 17-10. to 10. So uh, it was it was definitely a big moment for the Ravens. Um the second half it was a little little bit different story too. Yeah, um, and it is. It felt like it felt like when the Ravens, uh, Chris Moore had that big return, and then they scored the touchdown where Flacco threaded that. You talk about threading the needle. That mm -hmm. touchdown pass to Chris Moore, and suddenly with no time left in in this second quarter, we felt like all right, this team's turned it on. They found it, no problem, and they came out in the second half with that drive, but. This real story of that was that first half was they got those 52 plays because not because the defense couldn't stop them. The offense didn't give the defense a break, and it was three right. and out, three and out, three and out. Yeah, seven uh, straight three and outs in that, in that first half. So that's utter garbage. And then they had a one-play drive in there for the touchdown as well. So, um, you know, it's, did, it, that's, a, that's not a lot of time on the field. Right. So the second half, things changed on the offensive side. Did something noticeably change? Was there a change in the play call-in, or was it simply they were catching the ball, a little more stick them on the gloves? What, uh, what happened? You know, honestly, I think it was a little bit of everything, and a part of me is was, was watching this game differently in the second half. I'm going to get back to that in a second. Cincinnati and inside linebacker problems. I think that's one of the big things that helped turn the game around for the Ravens is the Ravens took advantage of that ILB group for Cincinnati that didn't have Vontez Perfect before the game started, and then they lost Ray. It seemed like he went down with an injury about every other play, but they probably went down three separate times where he had to leave the game. Uh, they, ha they had Evans had an injury, I believe, as well. So they were really down to about their fourth and fifth guys at inside linebacker at times during this game. Uh, okay. but, but the Ravens were able to take advantage of that, use the middle of the field a lot in, in the drives that they were successful on, going to Campanero, going to Wallace over the middle. Um, they did they did some good things there to, to advance the football and uh, obviously they ran the ball a little better as well also uh, some of it Collins and some of it Allen as well uh, to, to move the football in that second half I tell you the thing that really got to me about that second half was I was really appreciating Marty Morningweg without really knowing that I was well that's good because it sounds like he's going to be around for a while whether yeah. we uh, like it a second season in a row, we go into this to the uh, end of the season thinking they've got to move on from Marty, and it doesn't. They didn't last year. It doesn't sound like they're going to this year. But all right. I, so, what did you appreciate about Marty? 
said, yeah, he he's probably gone at midseason, but the Ravens have played awfully well offensively the, the second half of the year. But, but the thing that was just striking me is I, I live in the moment analytically. And, like, you, you, last year, you know, we, we talked about Juszczyk and the need to kneel at the one-yard line. You know, you, you make the point that correctly that Juszczyk can't think of that in real time. No one could kind of think, well, I mean, actually, that is the kind of thing I think about in real time. I think about win probability in particular in real time. But I, I found myself very detached from this game. Like, I hadn't been in a long time. But, but you, I'm just, you think of that real time because you're watching the game. You're not trying to also protect the football and run and collide with people. Oh, that, that's true. I mean, I, I, yeah, I admit that. I've got, I don't have other responsibilities, right. so I can, I can look at game management. But game management's also not the only thing I'm looking at. But, but in any case, I, not, to, not to belabor that, I, I, what this took me back to is like just being 12 years old again and watch Burt Jones run the old Colts offense in 1975. And you didn't know what was coming next. Maybe he was going to run the ball on a reverse. Maybe Lydell Mitchell was going to get the ball on a pass. Maybe he was going to throw the ball deep for Roger Carr. You know, all weapons were open. In particular, when the Ravens had their pony backfield in, they, they just had all sorts of options. And, and Collins was an outstanding decoy for, a, for at least one of the Allen runs that went for a, a good long gain. Uh, we had the big reverse on the uh, uh, that, that was a, for a touchdown, I guess, for 17 yards. That was just beautiful. Uh, a perfect example of individual Collins running, not uh, not really having to work with the blocks uh, themselves. But anyway, it's just it was entertaining football to watch, and I like some of the creativity Marty has brought. And, and somebody needs to say something positive about the guy because the Ravens are scoring points. Right, you and know, then that, you mentioned that a couple of weeks ago about the variety. And they're doing a good job mixing up and surprising them with what they're bringing. Yeah, I mean, they, su- they surprised in the backfield. They su- sometimes surprise at receiver. They definitely surprised on the offensive line with weird formations, that split offensive linemen, and sending Stanley out in a pattern and some of this stuff. I mean, it just it's it's entertaining football, and there's obviously real creativity there. And one of the things that I'd like to see is for them to figure out which of the personnel with regard to the offensive line. Now, by that, I mean the position coach, who's, who's Dallas Andrus, the offensive line coordinator or tight ends coach or whatever you want to call him, who's Greg Roman, right. or Marty Mornenweg, whoever one of those or whichever team is really working well together to make that offensive line produce at a level that's much higher than the sum of its parts, I want to make sure that that group gets compensated properly. And, and this is a Bishotti thing. Bishotti will be able to break this down, I hope, into sub-processes and understand who's really providing a lot of the value. And if it's if it's Dallas Andrus, if it's really his coaching, well, then pay him well and, and or as well as you can for a position coach there. And, and you know, let's go. And, and if it's Roman's play design that really is what matters, well, that's great. Let's, let's make sure that Greg Roman doesn't leave us. Right. But in any case, it's so there's uh, something there that's clicking and working. Yeah, something that's clicking and working. Just just the same way on the defense, they need to figure out who's the right guy to hire for what he brings to the table. And, and Bishotti's handprint needs to be all over this. I want them to try and figure it out on the offensive line play as well and really break down to what is it that's working about this and, and how can we make sure we don't lose it. Uh, yeah. So uh, let's get to these offensive line players like we do every week with Ronnie Stanley, who finished the game strong. Yeah, finished finished the the year strong. He hadn't had a, a couple not so great games in a row, uh, but this one was an A, and it was against pretty good competition. So he's he's got Carl Lawson, a guy he's going to face 
for the rest of his career probably as a as an edge rusher for the for the Bengals and Michael Johnson who may or may not be around too much longer with the Bengals big guy uh, long pass rusher has given the Ravens a lot of trouble in the past but Stanley gave up one and a half pressures a uh, third of a penetration that that was it for negative events for the game for him uh, and he had an A in his final game of the year which is good to see because uh, Ronnie Stanley we need to be second half of 2016 Ronnie Stanley again and not uh, you know, taking a regressive step in his second year as, as seemed to happen for much of the rest of the year. Yeah, and I guess as part of that regression you saw was with James Hurst, who really seemed to struggle. Yeah, James Hurst had a, had a difficult game. So he missed 10 blocks in the game, which is fairly un-Hurst-like, although I thought he had, a, he had a weak game the week before. 74 plays, a few more plays than normal, a few more missed blocks might be acceptable, but... Um, that was bad. He gave up a quarterback hit, one and a half pressures. You could live with that if that was his only negative mistakes, but then he had a big offensive holding penalty, so that took him down about another grade level here. Uh, gets a D in the final game of the year. He'll head to free agency. I don't think the Ravens are going to be able to compete for his services, even if they want him back, which I, I think they probably would. Um, right. the, the Ravens cap situation probably will not allow it. Uh, if they're going to get any lineman, it may be Ryan Jensen. Ryan Jensen could be very expensive uh, in terms of, of uh, yeah. you know, his cap cost. Yeah, and so. Jensen's the next guy we got to talk about because that's mm-hmm. the guy that we've got to ask Brian McFarland how do they fit this guy into the team for next year. You know, he'd be the guy because maybe he can come up with a plan where we get rid of you know A and B and C and then we got room for him. But uh, but Jensen is uh, had another good game. Uh, one pressure, actually, actually, is two half pressures. Got an A minus in what unfortunately could be his last game as a Raven here. Uh, been a very consistent player. Uh, didn't have a highlight block in this game, but he was on his blocks. He didn't miss. He missed five in this game, but still not not a terrible total. Um, been a very solid, reliable center. I think he's you know fits in between the maybe the fourth and the eighth best centers in the game, and uh, definitely somebody we we would want to have if we could, and uh, just a matter of really where he fits in price wise, I guess. And a lot of people say he's the best free agent center on the market, so it it may that, be very difficult for yeah. to sign him. Yeah, that makes him expensive, is what that does. Um, did Skur get hurt during this game? Yeah, it looked like it. So he, he, he left the field, and there's two separate instances. We didn't notice it at the, at the game other than to see Denal was in. But he, he had, uh, was holding his hand leaving the field on a couple different occasions. And he came back. I guess they must have taped him up or whatever. And then it looked like he got hurt again, and Denal had to finish. So uh, uh, Skura did not have a good game. Uh, he had uh, three pressures allowed were the big thing he did in a quarterback hit. But uh, D-plus for the game, uh, it's been a year where Matt Skura has been very consistent. I don't think that uh, you know, a game that was obviously plagued with some sort of injury is going to mean anything for his, his 2018 value. So hopefully he's a guy who is back and has some role with the Ravens next year. Ideally, it would be as a backup. Uh, in that case, you know he'll get on the field at some point. I think that my, my trouble would be as he he's the starting center for 2018 or the, let's say, the only option at center in 2018. I don't think that would be a good thing for the team. Right. Um, next on the list is Howard, who's been playing well. Did he continue it to close out the season? or? Uh, um, he, he was okay. He had Carlos Dunlap, so that's a, that's a very tough matchup. So he got some, uh, some adjustment points for that. Uh, gave up four pressures, uh, two let's see, one, uh, two half penetrations, 
and half a sack as well. So there was only one sack in the game. It was by Dunlap, and he shared it with Denal. Um, not a great game, a C minus, but uh, not a terrible game. Uh, what's really showing up is the Ravens have to do a lot to cover up for Howard's foot slowness. And it may be something that the Ravens just have to do something about next year. He's a, apparently a very good technical uh, offensive lineman. He does a lot of things well in terms of the study of the game and making sure he's, he's uh, in the game and, uh, and, and understands the film. But his foot slowness may just be at a point where the Ravens can't, uh, can't deal with it. Uh, they, they help a lot on the outside, uh, chip blocks from tight ends. Uh, and it's really good that, they, that Roman and, or Morningweg or whoever is the one who's doing it has figured out that this is a good remedy for that. The Ravens didn't give up a lot of sacks on the year. So you, you, you look at that as a success at least, but I think it also is a limitation of Howard. And the Ravens really need to find somebody in the draft who's a true offensive tackle. Not, not a tackle guard swing guy. That's not what I want. I want a pure tackle. All right. You, you, you can keep pretending that they spend draft picks on the offensive side of the ball, but... They usually, hope, get, uh, usually get one, one lineman. Right. They usually get one lineman per year. Yeah. All right. Uh, you mentioned that Hurst and Jensen might not be with the Ravens anymore. Chris Donnell played some on uh, Sunday. Does that mean he's the future lineman they look at, uh, they think? Uh, and, uh, actually, i got to think about where Donnell is. I think I think he may be a free agent as well. Okay. So I, I, I really don't know if he's uh, around. I have to, so I he have was to just look a, might have just been a backup for this year. Yeah, it's, that's right. They signed him, and I, I don't think they signed him for more than one year, but I could be wrong about that. Uh, didn't, didn't play particularly well in this game. Uh, he gave up half of that sack. He gave up another half pressure, and he only was in for 15 plays. He ended up scoring a, a 53 unadjusted, which is would, would probably be an F, depending on how uh, I would adjust it, except it's too few snaps to get a grade. Okay. All right, this offensive line as a whole, let's close them out for the year. We've, we've breaking them down every week, and it seems like overall they've been a big positive part of this offensive side of the football. They've Allowed twenty-seven sacks and a lot, and seemed to give ample time and space for Flacco. Yeah, I, I, I'd say you know that's both things very true. Twenty-seven sacks is obviously right on the money, but the, but the uh, ample time and space has been decent for Flacco this year. He's had enough time. Uh, he has not made the most out of it in terms of yards per dropback, but hopefully that can improve next year with a with a few better weapons as well as Flacco's health being back at a level where it seemed to be in the second half. So, you know, he certainly finished the season very strong. The Ravens had, had uh, a 15-3 to 3 turnover ratio over the last six weeks. So uh, he's, he's uh, you know, did his part in that. He had three, he, he did have throw the three interceptions during that time, but uh, he also had, I believe, nine touchdown passes uh, to go with that. So it's, it's a very solid streak of football there for Joe. And, uh, and hopefully he can continue that next year. You, know, you yeah. mentioned the offensive line. Right. And, yeah, that was my, my follow-up with that was Alex Collins kind of seemed to come out of nowhere to have this great season. How much of that is on the offensive line as well? Yeah, that's, that's a good point. And, and it's, it's hard for me to exactly put my finger on that because this, the offensive line clearly created a lot of space or created some space for Collins. But Collins doesn't follow his blocks that well. And, you know, there's almost there's something that's going that. on here. There's something that's going on. I mean, first of all, the, the ideal one is the reversal of field for that 17-yard touchdown. I mean, the, the play wasn't blocked up at all. Collins realized it, fortunately, in time, reversed his field, and it was on a fourth down play. It might have been fourth and five, and he 
not only reversed his field, he ran for ran for six points, and, and that was really a special example of how much he likes to run on his own. Um, in that case, it was out of necessity. In other cases, he just seems to want to continually bounce to the outside until he finds that one guy that he can beat by uh, stepping through a tackle and whatnot. And he's been very adept at that this year, so, so it's kind of hard to find a fault with it. But it's not like he's a one-cut zone-blocking runner who likes to you know find a cutback lane and go kind of thing. Right, That's really not who he is. No, he's not looking right. for the hole. He's looking for that offensive line to just block up everyone just enough time for him to get past them. Yeah, I, 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 I block it, block. It. <laughs> That's kind of what looking for a hole like, is. But but, right. but when he, he no, but like, he doesn't even open up a hole. He lets him push everyone to one side, and then he goes the other way. Yeah. It's not a hole. He looks for a wing. <laughs> yeah, is it? I, I the way I I like to say it is that Collins likes to run to the edge and hope hope everybody gets blocked up by the time he gets there because that's really where he wants to run that. So, yeah, it's a foot race <laughs> yeah. to the, to the edge. Yeah. Anyway, he's been exciting back back to watch. It is, it's you don't want to cut on on him too much for this, but stylistically or uh, technique wise, I think that could probably improve, and it probably will improve with Marshall Yanda and some other linemen back next year who can do more to create meaningful inside holes for him. So once those exist, then I think he'll have a better chance to take advantage of those. Right now, Collins joined the team in what week three. Uh, we, his, he might have gotten his first playing time in week three. Okay, I, I know it was. Uh, he joined after the season already started. How long? What's his contract like? Does, does oh, that, he's, a, he's just a second-year player. So, so he, the way that he continues, even though he signed as a free agent, we still get those uh, years. Yeah, he's he's called an exclusive rights free agent in okay. year three. So the Ravens have a amount they have to pay him, which is it's something like five hundred and fifty thousand or something. Year three it might be six thirty. Um, that's but anyway, he makes he makes less than just about anybody right, else. Right, that's who, that's who, worth he, it. Yeah, so very very worth it. And then and uh, and then next year uh, in his fourth year, he'll be a restricted free agent, which means the Ravens will have to tender him, and they by paying him two or three million dollars, they might have to pay three million in his case. Um, they'll basically preclude other teams from easily getting him. They have they'll have to come in offer up a draft pick in return and then the Ravens will still have matching rights on the on the offer. So uh, occasionally a player gets stolen away under those circumstances. There was a big offer made on Mac a few years back for the the um, center for the Browns, but uh, but typically it doesn't happen very often. Okay. All right, well that's exciting to see how he grows uh, with a full season with some training camp now that he knows these guys it'll be exciting to see how he grows with a full season right. under his belt maybe he's, he had four fumbles this year two of them were early then he seemed to solve the problem then he had two that were late that the Ravens recovered them both and kind of went under the under the right. radar stayed out of the doghouse with those yeah yeah but he's, he, he definitely had a fine season he was a big part of the Ravens offense there was no no way to bench him okay um all right, let's get to some of the other guys, and let's start with the tight ends because we have a we have what four tight ends, five tight ends on the team this year. Yeah, I mean, well, uh, Watson and, and Boyle and uh, Campanero. Uh, you know, Campanero's a, a wide receiver, but but Williams oh, he's still a wide receiver. Okay, yeah. All right, I thought he was a tight end. All right, yeah, so they, they've changed a lot of people to tight end, but I don't think Michael Campanero would be a candidate. He's like five nine, so okay. All right. Well, uh, let's deal with Michael Campanera first. Is, sure. Is he going to be back? What do you think well, of his season? 
I, I think it's a that's a real question. He finished strong with a three catch game for thirty six yards. Had some key first downs for the Ravens in the finale. Um, brings still a good amount to as a punt returner to the team and a kick returner. So they could do worse, but I don't know what he's going to cost to get back. I think some other team may want him and be willing to pay him maybe two years for four million or something. It'd be it's he's going to get a modest contract. He's not going to get rich in this league because of his injury history. But he, but he could get a, a, a contract where somebody really wants his return skills and decides they can pay a little bit for it. Okay. Uh, Benjamin Watson's a really easy guy to like and cheer for. Yeah, but he's boy, got a he, lot of things going on. Is he? you think he'll continue to play football? Yeah, that's a real good question. I think Watson is an old man, so he's like 37, 38 by the time the season right. starts. So, you know, he, he caught seven balls for 61 in this game. Looks like he can still play the game in the in the uh, Dennis Pitta role for the Ravens, right? You know, but, in terms but of he's being a the, father, an author, a speaker. Uh, he's he's got a. He's I would not be surprised to see him retire. No, no, I would I would not either. And and he is a free agent. He he won't be cheap to bring back. And I don't think the Ravens can afford anybody who really isn't cheap. So pretty good chance he's gone. All right, uh, Mike Wallace dropped a bunch of balls in that first half which really hurt he's probably a free he is a free agent so i would what do you think chances are they don't have any other wide receivers i mean they could they could make a deal and try and get him um it's wallace did not have a particularly productive year this year i don't know what he had about 700 yards or something i gotta look at it here to even find out uh wallace had 748 yards average 14.4 per catch on 52 that's actually better than i thought he did uh, but still, it's not an amount that is exciting by NFL standards, and I think there's probably a pretty good chance he's done with the Ravens. If he is back, uh, he won't be earning the same kind of money I wouldn't think that he did this year. So uh, we'll see how that that works out. Yeah, um, and that brings us to Macklin, who was inactive the past two weeks. I'm assuming they were trying to keep him healthy for playoff football, which <laughs> never came. I, I, I don't know what the pulpit. I don't even know if Macklin knows where the stadium is anymore. So I, I, I hate to hesitate to say bad things about the guy, but the guy's just very detached from the rest of the team by all accounts. Um, he's played poorly enough that he will not be back no matter what, but uh, he's sitting there with, uh, I believe there's a $5 million cap savings. We'll, we'll, we'll talk to Brian right. about it next week. And he's an injury-prone uh, guy, so the fact yeah. that he came to us and continued to get injured wasn't too much of a surprise. No, n- n- not a surprise. And it, it just it seemed like he was a receiver that Flacco had connected with at one point during this year mm-hmm. and that maybe he'd have a go-to guy, caught eight, eight out of nine balls in one game, but then it all fell apart for him and – I, I would be shocked if he's back with the Ravens. All right. Uh, Chris Moore was a lot of fun to cheer for this year. Besides the juggling act, on yeah, special that, teams, he was a star. He started to uh, turn up as a wide receiver. Is this guy, does he have a future here? Yeah, I mean, I think so. He's he's only, for only his second year, so they've got him for a while. That's right. the good news. Uh, for at least two more years, he's actually under contract since he was a draft. But do you think he's a guy we can count on? Is he is he running with the ones? Yeah, I, I want I want a bigger role for him next year. I want him to be one of the one of the three receivers that they use in a in a typical passing down set. So uh, yeah, I mean I I would expect him to have a bigger role. When you look around to who else is coming back, he certainly has a role. So uh, <laughs> yes, 
considering yeah. that the game ended with Wallace and Attaboy Joe as the wide receivers yes. on the field. We can use anyone. Yeah, and Attaboy Joe and, and um, Moore are the only two who are returning. For sure. Okay. So the rest, rest of them may so, not be at all. So the Ravens have as many wide receivers as the Orioles have starting pitchers. There you go. Two. Yeah, not a good thing. And you need about the same number in both cases right, to about really five. be comfortable. All right. Uh, we, def- we definitely carried a bunch of running backs throughout the season. The guy outside of Collins, the guy who really seemed to warm up at the end of the season was Buck Allen. Yeah, so 26 for 144 over the last three weeks. That's five and a half yards of carry. Yeah, definitely did more the last three weeks, and I, the, I liked a lot of the pony backfield concepts that the Ravens used with uh, with the combination of Allen and Collins worked well. And if they want to make that part of the offense next year, I got no no issue. Buck Allen as a fullback or as split tailbacks, either way, um, they they were very good. Ricard with either one of them was good. Buck Allen is not the greatest tailback only whether it's a single back formation or an eye. I'm not, I'm not thrilled seeing him as the only tailback in the game, but uh, he did do some good running, and he, when he did some good running, uh, was often in the second half of games where the Ravens are trying to close it out, and that's impressive. It's, that's hard to get good yards per carry averages uh, at times like that. So, Allen, you know, he certainly has earned a place on the team next year. Uh, the Ravens will have a, a fairly substantial stable of running backs without drafting one uh, in Collins, Woodhead, Allen, and who am I forgetting? West will not be around, right. so maybe they will have another another younger. Oh, it's it's Dixon will be returning from suspension. Okay. So, so anyway, it's a good stable of, of running backs. There's not a lot of age on that group, with the exception of Woodhead. And you got a uh, uh, you know manageable cap situation. There has been suggestions that Woodhead will be gone because he there is a cap savings. It's it's not that much. It might be one and a half million. We'll talk to Brian about that right. again. But uh, but there is some cap savings from cutting him. Okay, and a guy who yeah is now older and had a disappointing season this year. There you go. Um, we don't do MVPs because it was a loss, and it's hard yeah. to pick out MVPs when when your team falls apart. I want to give the MVP to our mailbag contributors. Okay, and we'll get to that. But I want to ask you one more question about, in the vein of an MVP. The uh, Ravens did their media MVP, and they chose Suggs. Now, there's mm-hmm. some weird things about that, where the, in the finalists you were not allowed to choose Tucker, Cook, or Collins, who are three guys that I would put as finalists. So that's a little shady that they forced, somehow allowed Suggs to win that. How, how did that happen? They did. They, they, they gave they, they gave the cards for the media members to like vote on with the finalists, and the Ravens narrowed down the finalists to not include Cook or Tucker or Collins. Okay, that's ridiculous. Yeah. I, I'm not even sure I would have voted over for one of them. But so who was on the who was on the final ballot? I don't I don't know who. I just I just okay. I was talking to Glenn Clark and heard those three guys got knocked off the list that you weren't allowed to vote for them, which seems like they wanted Suggs to win it this year. I, that sounds right. I and mean, Tucker, they uh, Tucker won it last year, right? Right. I think okay, they just so. couldn't. I think they were just avoiding the fact that it was going to go to Cook. That that Cook was the star this year for them. Right. And, uh, or Tucker. Tucker could have been the guy too. I mean, Cook had a big punt block, so I, I could I, I could see giving it to Tucker. And well, my I don't co- know why we should have a problem with that? Right. Well, my question for you is, what out of this season, which player excited you that? 
of these young guys that you're excited to see what they do in the future? Is it a guy like Ricard? Is it Collins? Is it the offensive line? Yeah, I mean, we're really talking on the offense now. On the defense, I'd have like 10 answers for you. But yeah, on the offense. On the offense. Yeah, Ricard, Collins, Moore. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm happy with what Matt Skura was. I just don't think he's an obvious starter in the future. So otherwise, I might have said him. And then it's Marty because uh, you're a big Marty guy now, right? Well, I mean, I'm obviously more a Marty guy than just about anybody else you'll ever talk to. But, but I'm... Uh, you know, I really want them to figure out. I want, really want them to, to dissect who's really driving the offensive line success because it's an, an amazing story this right. year in the NFL that they played so well. All right, and I'm giving my MVP of the game to the uh, Buffalo Bill fans who have now donated more than $100,000 to Andy Dalton's charity for uh, congratulating him for beating the Ravens and thanking him for beating the Ravens. So if something good came out of this game, it's that. I really hate that. <laughs> so. I, I, I hate it as a Ravens <laughs> fan, but, I mean, hey, if something good came out of it, uh, Weddle did not get his $1 million playoff bonus, but That's his, savings. this charity <laughs> got a uh, 100000 donated from Bills fans. So let's get to all the right. mailbag. And we've got offensive questions, defensive questions, and other questions. We're going to start with offense since this is the offensive show. Uh, Dan Boss one asks, does the emergence of Alex Collins, Buck Allen, coupled with the return of Kenneth Dixon and uh, make Danny Woodhead a potential cap casualty? You were getting to that so, a little bit. Yeah, we talked about that a little bit. We'll get into it a little bit next next week or the next two weeks with Brian. But, uh, yeah, I think Danny is a, a potential cap casualty. Um, if they believe that Dixon can be a good receiving back and be the third down guy, then I think there's a, a better chance that Allen could also potentially be the third down guy. Want to make sure the guy we have in there is a good pass blocker on those downs. That, that's really important, and that is something that Woodhead does reasonably well. All right, um, uh, Minion Hunter. I guess this is more of a comment question, but I'll get your thoughts on Bruce Arian for offensive coordinator to fix Joe and stick it to the Steelers and not be as stress uh, put as much stress. Uh, as a guy like Gary Kubiak, if I'm understanding this properly. I, I think I understand that. Yeah, so uh, he's not going to stress the head coach as much as Gary Kubiak would. Gotcha. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't have a problem with Bruce Arians for offensive coordinator. If they decide that they're going to move away from Marty, I, I wouldn't have a problem if they stick with Marty either. Uh, Bruce Arians did a lot of great things in Pittsburgh. And he is a you know a a good offensive coach name, and it'd be great if he he come to the Ravens. Morningweg, um, I think he did some positive things in the second half. A new look would be good. If I wanted something else, I'd say build coaching depth on the offensive side of the ball. Let's make sure our position coaches are up to snuff at the other places that are not the offensive line. The one thing I really want to see the Ravens do is bring in a wide receiving guru who can start a camp for wide receivers or a program for off season for wide receivers that builds receiving skills in players who otherwise have talent that they were getting away with coming out of college. So obviously Brashard Perryman is the, is the prototype, the poster child for such a camp. So you, he came out of a college having beaten everyone down the field, been, been able to have the strength and whatnot to run through contact at every level before the NFL, and now he's completely distracted by the game, by 
hard-hitting safeties, by the cornerbacks who do, are touching him all the time. Damn it, get your hands off me. You know, to the guys who can actually run with him, and then he has to worry about step for step where he's going, to the routes that have to be precise because the ball is out on time. All of that stuff is a lot for him to, to take through. And then there's the whole thing that he's got bricks for hands. Some of that can be fixed. It can be fixed at the NFL level with the proper coaching, I believe, and with the proper off-season program if they build that for receivers. And why have the Ravens not drafted a great wide receiver pretty much ever? Well, some of it is is the fact that they've probably been drafting the wrong guys. But some of it also is they've lacked the developmental uh, acumen to do it properly in-house. And I just think that they need to find out who's a guy out there, pay money, it's outside the cap, and get this problem fixed. Over the years, the NFLPA has added a lot of restrictions on on extra practices and extra, especially off-season practices and workouts, uh, forcing the players to do it on them, doing it on their own time and everything. I remember Kyle Bowler bought a home in Millersville, and the neighbors would say that he'd be in the backyard with the wide receivers throwing the ball around during the off-season. How much of that? Uh, hurts teams now and hurts really developing wide receivers and a connection with the quarterback, especially when you've got a guy that, like Joe Flacco, makes these comments about not being here when we don't have to. Right. I mean, I'm not I'm not crazy about that. Uh, obviously, he could work with a different quarterback, but Joe would be the ideal quarterback to work with. Uh, it's it's got to, practically, it can only really happen in Baltimore. You know, it if I suppose if you know you're Brett Favre or something, or you, you have a home in Mississippi, or you're somebody who owns a home in LA or something, you could get some wide receivers to come there for two weeks and work with you. But if you want to work out, you know, one day a week for the entire off season, or two days a week for the entire off season, you need to be in Baltimore. But then, you right. probably be at Owens Mills, right? And that's fully on the players to then do that, that's and right. not something the organization can really control. Well, the good thing is that any any up-and-coming wide receiver who wants to make his mark should want to do it. Right. You know, a young, a young Raymond Berry wants to do it. Uh, the problem is that, that the guys who've been in the league for eight years or six years, Wallace and whoever, they, I mean, they've got no interest in this kind of thing, right. I don't believe. But those are the guys that you need there to teach the young guys what to do. Probably true. Otherwise, the young guys are running around and doing what they did in college and not growing. Right. Well, I, I, I've heard that Ryan Jensen worked with somebody in the offseason, and, and I, I would just love to have if the ravens aren't having this program in-house to at least have the connections to know who's the guy we want our wide receivers trained by right during the offseason if they're going to go to a camp there that has their own quarterbacks they you know bus in to to throw to these guys yeah. all right uh let's get back to the mailbag and dustin cox asks i'll keep it simple what's the biggest position of need on the defense that the ravens should address this offseason okay two positions the only places i need draft picks spent I want, a, I want a back-end safety, and it can be a guy who can also play in the box, but he has to primarily have back-end talents, uh, be able to roam the field and make plays. So uh, a center fielder is, is the first need of that group. Number two is an inside linebacker. I don't have any round restriction on where he'd be, where he'd be taken, uh, but I think you could go to a lower-round player and still get a good value. Right now, the, the Ravens have played through a season dangerously thin at inside linebacker. It did not end up burning them as badly as it could have, but I don't really think Patrick Owasso is is the answer as the second inside linebacker. All right. Um, Brandon Smith, 52, asks, how did the Ravens' defense play this year against offenses that ranked in the top half of the league? 
kind of seems like a trick question. It's a, it's a loaded question. I, I, it's almost too rhetorical for me to answer. But I, what I'd say is, Brandon, is the right way to look at that question is not how did they play against the top offenses, but how badly did they embarrass an offense relative to how good those offenses were. And I think that the Ravens did a good job. They were they were a far above average defensive team. If you look at uh, adjusted stats like Devoe, they were the second best offense in in the uh, NFL. Actually, actually, yeah, second best offense in the NFL. Um, it's yes, you can only play the schedule put in front of you, and yes, sometimes you get a break and play a bad quarterback. But the Ravens still played very well this year on defense, and and it look. Searching around for what's wrong with the defense is not the way to get this team fixed. I mean, the, the way to get this team fixed will be to address the significant, more significant issues on offense. All right. Uh, uh, Tamujin Barca, which I'm sure I said that wrong, wants to talk about the draft. In the first round, should the Ravens target a fast-hitting inside linebacker like Rakan Smith from Georgia? Or a young CB to pair with Humphrey like a Joshua Jackson from Iowa. Smith is injury prone and Carr can't cover the speedy wide receivers. Okay, I mean, he's got a point on both of those things. Uh, first of all, drafting a corner would really be an outside-the-box move. Uh, I don't see it as a likely move. It would be interesting Maybe if some the depth Ravens there. did it. Yeah, I mean, they, they do have some depth there. And they have, they have guys coming back, three guys coming back next year, Tavon, Jalen Hill, we don't know when he'll be back. He may lose the whole season. And Jimmy Smith will come back presumably at some point from the Achilles. And the Ravens may actually be in a, a favorable position of having replacements come in as the season goes along. I, don't have, I do not have a problem with Smith, even as the number one pick, uh, if he's the guy they want to go with. Um, I, I probably would be less excited about taking a cornerback in round one. But you know what? If he's the best player available, I don't even really have a problem with that either because I think that, generally speaking, the more you limit your position groups you're willing to draft when your turn comes up in the round, the more you have to stretch to get a player there who isn't really a value. All right. Media Read, as we continue through these questions, told you we got a lot of them. We had to push them all from last uh, last episode. Media Read asks, what do you hope the new defensive coordinator brings to the defense next year? What players do you think would benefit the most from a fresh approach? Oh, boy. I mean, it's, it, the, first of all, the group of players that would benefit from what I would have in mind would be all the entire defense, potentially. But I think you, the Ravens have an opportunity with the marquee job in all of coordinator dumb this year to, to, to basically hand over a very good defense to a new owner who can mold it to his own liking. It's a lot of young players that primarily make up a lot of the talent on this team. So, you know, it's, it's Judon and Smith and, and it's Humphrey and it's um, Kennedy and it's Tavon Young when he comes back. You know, it's a lot of younger players, Willie Henry, uh, who could be molded into something different than what they are right now. And it's a great opportunity there. And so, uh, yeah, this is, this is a, a hiring that the Ravens need to take very seriously. Uh, they may have to decide between a guy that, that's going to be two years here and then a head coach somewhere else. But a, a good young coordinator who has a revolutionary approach to football, I am not opposed to at all. I'm also not opposed to going back to the old guard and finding a guy who really wants to emphasize defensive back play, emphasize defensive back play. And you know, Marvin Lewis was, would have been the ideal guy for that. He's re-signed with the Bengals. But, uh, but there, there are others there as well. And there's, I, I believe there are 
five ex-Ravens defensive coordinators out there looking for jobs currently, who any one of whom could be hired. Yeah, the Bengals sure did save Marvin Lewis's job by beating us on, on uh, Sunday, it seemed. Yep. All right, at Mr. Ed asks, Weddle wasn't, this is the play we talked about in depth uh, on the last episode, but uh, that 4th and 12 play. Weddle was initially lined up inside on the 4th and 12 play. How often has that look been shown by the defense this year, and how well has that worked in total? Well, first of all, they, they only really show it in the dime. So they show it on passing downs. Um, they occasionally will show it with Owasu and Mosley, but much more commonly it's Levine and Mosley on the dime or Clark and Mosley in the dime that they've been showing it with. So they line up six across, and they, 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 sometimes they drop two, sometimes they drop one, and sometimes they all, they all rush. And it's been very effective in the year. The dime has been the Ravens' best pass defense, uh, and that's basically been their base set for that defense is showing the double-A blitz. So it has worked very well this year. Uh, I would not put the results of this play as being something that says this can never work again. But it is a play where, looking back at it again, one of the things that happened is the two guys who were split in the backfield to either side of Dalton moved up to the line of scrimmage. Dalton moved him up as an audible on that play. So he moved up Uzoma, who was the, the tight end to his right, up to the line of scrimmage, oh, just slightly offset, but up to the line of scrimmage, basically. And he moved up Bernard right into the A-gap, where it would have been difficult for him to make a block on either of those guys had they decided to come. Basically, he re-raised all-in on the Ravens' approach there. And that would not have been a bad time for the Ravens to call a timeout and basically say, nah, wait a minute, we got the wrong defense here if they're willing to do that. But it would have been, it would have been had to be done quickly. Harbaugh would have been had to be standing next to the um, uh, official because he's the only one from the sideline who can call timeout when the ball is live like that. So anyway, it would have been difficult, but that would have been a great time to get a timeout in, reset the defense, get Weddle back on the back end where he belonged, and he could help with two of the different bracket coverages. Anyway, I didn't like it either, Mr. Ed. Pretty clear you didn't in terms of where he um, lined up on that play. Just He was actually just behind the front six on that play and then dropped off kind of in a skipping manner backwards that, that uh, obviously did not work. Right. At Cardi Matt asks about Peanut. Is Peanut up to the standard we need from a starter? It seems like he gets exposed in coverage all of the time. He's not there's no element of Peanut's game that's so good that he, you know, couldn't be lost as a starter. I think Peanut is a good backup inside linebacker. I didn't really believe that at the beginning of this year. Uh, I, I don't mind him being the third guy who comes in when you lose somebody. I do mind him being the second guy. I don't think he, he should be the second guy on this team. He's, he's too small. He limits you in terms of what you can do on, uh, against running backs, particularly when they spread the field and put three receivers on and they want to run against your nickel. Then Owasu is one of the six guys we have, the six heavies on the field, and he's limited in terms of, of what he can do in that, in that situation. So, uh, yeah, I would prefer to have a, a bigger, uh, more active run defender uh, as the second inside linebacker next to Mosley. All right. Uh, Edgar Catano says, Ken, how does one explain how a team that consistently misses on second picks and plenty of first and thirds as well, every year is able to finish so close to making the playoffs every year. I, I'm, I'm kind of tired of the whole second round, third round picks in terms of, of missing on them question. And Edgar, first of all, we, we're sorry about mispronouncing your name. And 
we will often try and put this out phonetically in the notes we have here, but it's Keitano, I believe, is how he wants. He, he, uh, uh, yeah, I'll it say it wrong no matter what it is. I, <laughs> I am not good with names. I, I uh, appreciate that, Josh, but uh, Edgar deserves better. We need to do it at least once this season right for him. Here. All right. So, Ke- anyway. Keitano, right? <laughs> Keitano. Gotcha. So, so the second and third round picks haven't worked out for the Ravens, generally speaking. Uh, you have to go back pretty far. They, they did get Yonda, Webb, and Brandon Williams in the third round. I'm probably missing somebody else that they got in the third round. Uh, they haven't had a lot of great second-round picks in their entire history. They, they, that was a problem with, with uh, Ozzie at the beginning. But you can't really just look at the draft in a round-by-round way like that. You need to basically look at the, the sum total of drafted value. Now, that said, it's not good to get value in a six. Not fifth round value in a six, but lose all of your third round value. That's unacceptable. But it is acceptable to get a, a second round talent or a first round talent in the sixth round, but also miss on the second round pick that same year. So that's that's how I feel about it. I think that in general, Ozzy has drafted pretty well when you consider the entire breadth of the draft. And uh, yeah, that's been good for the Ravens. Sure, he's missed on a bunch of second round picks, Correa, Arthur Brown, um, you know, people are already writing off Wormley. I'm not there yet. Willie Henry, people wrote off last year. Right. He's a fine player now, so, you know. All I, right. All right. At Minion Hunter asks a question that I can handle the answer to as well this time. Uh, do you want to see the Ravens on Hard Knocks in 2018? I kind of want to see it. Um, so I looked, could, up, I looked up the requirements for Hard Knocks. Because okay. there are six teams in the NFL right now that the NFL can declare that you have to do hard knocks. And in order right. to qualify for hard knocks, it cannot be your coach's first year. So we've got that. You have to have gone the past two years of not making the playoffs. So we've got that. And it has to have been 10 years since you were last on hard knocks. And we qualify with that. So we are one of six teams that the NFL can say, sorry, you're doing it. Because no one wants to do it, but the NFL requires someone to do it. I, I presume no one wants to do it. It'd be nice if someone would step up who's not in that group and do it. But yeah, it is possible that the Ravens will be will be chosen again. It's very much not in line with Harbaugh. I mean, Harbaugh is a closed door guy. Right. He he is a is a read the platitudes off in an interview guy. He's not an open guy, and you but, really notice it. They, they've got three coordinators. They've got Dean Pease, who is surly but generally fairly open with the media he answers questions that a lot of other coaches wouldn't do in in that environment um marty morningweg is is pure hustle he's he, he doesn't tell you anything at all um they, they actually the assistant head coach uh, jay rossberg he'll get up to the stand he's just this different guy in terms of who he's on the field he's this firebrand of a in everybody's ear screaming at him and then he gets up and he's this very cerebral professorial type at the microphone but he doesn't tell you anything he gives you these smart ass answers to questions that that are one-liners and he kind of doesn't tell you anything and then there's harbaugh himself who is who will tell you you asked a nice question sometimes unless you're jerry coleman then he'll tell you yeah it's a bad question no matter what but he'll tell you he asked a nice question, then he'll, then he'll, he'll give you nothing in terms of an answer. He doesn't want to talk about injuries, gets upset sometimes when you ask him questions about injuries. Uh, yeah, it's, just, it, it's and, so unlike who they'd want for hard knocks. And that's, that's why I'm excited. That's why I would love to see it. I'd love to see Harbaugh and Flacco like, being forced to be in these awkward interviews. <laughs> and, and I want the camera crew in there following Flacco making a sandwich or following Flacco through the drive-thru to McDonald's. 
That's what I want to see. But so the other teams that could be forced, uh, I think, have a better chance of being selected than Baltimore. We all know the storyline on Baltimore would be uh, a team that's been there many, many times, struggling the past three years. Um, or they could go with Cleveland and the team attempting to turn around from the worst two-year stretch in NFL history. Oh, that, that's a much better story. That sounds like a better story. Uh, and you could go to Denver and the quarterback competition there, and you got yeah. John Elway there. So that sounds like a good storyline. Uh, you could go to L.A., and there's no, they, all they types of stories with the Chargers. Oh, the Chargers, the Chargers okay. you could go with. Oh, they went with the Rams. One. The Chargers would make sense to, to be try to be the second team in L.A. and get yeah. some attention. Uh, you've got San Francisco with Jimmy Garoppolo. That sounds like a good storyline. Yeah. And then the one that I like, that my favorite storyline of all, is the Washington Redskins. <laughs> and uh, either with a new quarterback who has to fill in for Kirk Cousins or with Kirk Cousins making more money than the Redskins wanted to pay him. Either so one is good. I, I, because I like the failure of Washington, D.C., <laughs> I am voting on the I'd like to see the Redskins. You know, has it ever occurred to you that there's a possibility? I don't really believe this is going to happen, but there's a possibility the, the Redskins might leave D.C. at some point. Uh, I mean, no, that'll never happen. I think there's a, there's a reasonable possibility at some point that they could be in trouble. The stadium in Landover is a joke compared to the Ravens stadium. It's a, hor- a horrible place. Yeah, it's, Hol- it's a horrible place. You can't even park. you got to park on the other side of the beltway. Not to mention bus. They're, they're not in D.C., and that drives Dan Snyder crazy. Yeah, yeah. so, th- so they could, I guess they could build a new stadium somewhere else, but that uh, it would seem, I don't know what their lease is like. with now, uh, Snyder wants to. He's been trying for years to build a stadium in the old RFK grounds. He's got a whole plan to build the stadium where the parking lot is and turn the RFK into a parking lot, uh, but he cannot get the approval of D.C. to make it work or the money. I'm okay. sure it comes down to money. You've been, you've been keeping better track of it than I have. I mean, the Washington Redskins obviously an iconic franchise in a lot of ways with three Super Bowl wins and with a lot of the other history that goes with that. You know but what? The Rams, there, the Rams are iconic too. There is 100% chance it will not be the Redskins because they don't want to deal with the name Redskins. There's, okay. You know, there's already a controversy of some people saying the Washington football team because they think the 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 nickname the Redskins is racist. So there's no way the NFL is gonna d- go there and and promote their product under the Redskins. Well, I, I want to basically just get back to the irony potentially of the the Orioles basically having their market stolen away by the Redskins. Okay, I'm sorry by by, the, by Washington by by the Nationals. Yes, and. You know the, the, that total realignment farce and and the 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 contraction that really should have occurred that got turned into this basically theft of the of the Orioles market, which right. You know we maintain a portion of the dollars through the TV contract, but it's not the same. No, it's not the same. No, because you're not selling the you're not selling the sweets to businesses is where you're really feeling the hurt. Yeah, yeah, and, or just you know creating that artificial demand for tickets by being the franchise. The only game in town here, the franchise here that that uh, you know had the major league major league lead in attendance in the '90s. So anyway, I always see the Ravens in a 30-year Doug's death struggle with the Nationals for who's going to be able to stick around. And the, and you know Strasburg and uh, Harper certainly 
put the Ravens in a big hole. The Orioles. The, Ravens, the Orioles in a big hole. But but the same thing is going on with football, potentially. And the Ravens are a tremendous success story as a franchise, and the Redskins have done almost nothing since the Ravens started that success. And, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely a, a reversal of that situation. The, the, the Redskins did not want us here. They did not want the Ravens franchise to come to Baltimore, and it'd be very interesting if the Ravens could could end up pushing the Redskins out of town. That, not likely. Yeah, that would be interesting. Um, that would, yeah, I'm not even going to go there. I don't think that's a possibility, but sure. Let's start talking about that. As the NFL is having attendance problems, who knows what that could then grow into. There you go. All right, Ken. Well, it is great that we finally have 2017 behind us we don't need to break down these games in detail we can start to look to the future start to look to the chance of the ravens getting to the playoffs in 2018 liking the look of it we will probably also still have a wrap-up show on on uh various players to sure. give them kind of a grade for the year that'll of go course. with a grading article on rsr yeah and we mentioned on the defensive show we there's many more shows coming out during the off season so make sure you're still subscribing to film study with ken mccusick and uh, thank you to everyone who's been sending in your mailbag questions and listening each week. Yeah. And, Josh, the, in addition to, to my stuff, you follow me on at Film Study Ravens, but how can they look at your stuff? Uh, follow me on Twitter at Josh Soroka. And uh, my other podcast is Section 336. A lot of Oriole talk, some Ravens talk. It's well worth your listening to. All right, and it, and you probably on that show are more likely to get, whether it's the Orioles or Ravens, you're actually talking about correctly. Uh, yeah, I mean, we'll get them mixed up like anyone does because we're normally yelling at each other about it because that's what happens <laughs> when you put family members together to talk sports. But it's a whole lot of fun, and whatever you feel emotionally about the uh, Orioles or Ravens, we're probably expressing on our podcast. We're yeah, not as analytical as film study. We're way more emotional focused. Okay, well, you, you guys have a very fun show, and I'm looking forward to doing the uh, opening day show with you guys the day before yeah, the opener. day before or the is. day of. Still figuring that out because the Orioles open up on a Thursday, but we always do Birdland Radio, uh, which is a whole lot of fun. So, uh, All right, Ken. Well, have a good evening. Enjoy the snow if it comes, and we will talk next week. All right. Take it easy, Josh. At Lowe's, we're your go-to for great gardening values every day. That's why we've lowered our price on select bagged mulch. Now starting at just $2.88 a bag. Mulch helps prevent weeds and retains moisture. And when you put it down around trees, shrubs, and flower beds, you'll see how beautiful it makes your outdoor space. Just in time to welcome back family and friends. Shop online and pick up in store. Lowe's, home to the best part of summer. Selection and product availability vary by location. While supplies last, U.S. only excludes Alaska and Hawaii. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line 
prop or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Saving money on exterior wall lights. Now at Menards. Find your style with Patriot Lighting. Exterior lights enhance the look of your home. Choose from over 50 options from Patriot Lighting. Now through May 19th, get $10 instant savings on a single qualifying purchase of $100 or more on in-stock outdoor wall lights. Check out our entire selection of outdoor lights and see the rest of our deals happening now on Menards.com. Save big money. 